It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch any TV show that they choose. We watch it. We talk about it. We talk about a bunch of other crap. Today, I'm very excited uh, for our guest is a veteran stand-up comic. He is uh, one of the members of the uh, Nerd Poker podcast on Earwolf. He's a hilarious writer, and I hope it's okay for me to call him a friend. It's Mr. Blaine Capatch. Hi, everybody. I'm I'm Blaine. I'm a friend of Craig Rowan. Oh, oh. thank you. You're very welcome. Um, that's so heartwarming. What a heartwarming way to start the show. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming over. Um, Thanks for having parking right out front. I felt like Kojak. Is that true? Yeah. I, it's terrific. I came back here the other night. I'm staying at a friend's house. and Elliot Gould. Um, uh, name drop. Ow, my foot. <laughs> um, and I got back at like 12.15 at night and drove around for about half an hour. Oh. And it sucked. You know, I lived in San Francisco and I would always have to factor in another half hour to hour of looking for parking when I got home late after a show. Yeah, it's just the worst. It's a bummer. Yeah, parking sucks. you got to do the Jetsons uh, uh, car that turns into a briefcase so you don't have to deal with <gasps> parking. Oh, and then it would uh, it could fold out into a different car. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. You could press buttons and make it. Why would it have to be the same car every time? That's true. Yeah, what's the point? And also, wouldn't that thing, that the thing would weigh a lot. It would weigh a lot, but you'd have a bionic arm. You know what? I thought about watching The Six Million Dollar Man. Yes. Because uh, uh, when I was in the fourth grade, I was a member of the Bionics Action Club. I had a certificate on my wall and everything. Whoa. And I used to really be into The Six Million Dollar Man. But We'd run around in slow motion going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> But uh, we were children. And yeah. then I realized that to be Bionic, I would also first have to be a, a one-eyed triple amputee. Is that... Wait. To be a real bionic man? To be like Steve Austin. I would have to have my arms and one of my arms and both my legs torn off. Is that and what happened? And my eye torn out with shrapnel during the crash. Is that what happened? Yeah. He was a, he's an astronaut. It should, it's all in the opening credits. Right. He, uh, he's, they use a, he's a test pilot and something goes wrong. They, he crashes. They, uh, they save him by making him a bionic eye. Now, we're not going to be watching Bionic Man today. No, we could if we wanted to. We could if we wanted to, but we didn't. We did not. Um, why don't you say what show you wanted to watch and then describe sort of your history of the show, your personal history with the show that you've chosen. Okay. Well, it was, as you know, it was very difficult to choose a show because there's so much to choose from. And I'll also preempt this by saying that Blaine is specifically a very... You're obviously very TV savvy, but from, and also specifically from a certain era. <laughs> well, uh, that's true. Uh, I'm I'm older than a lot of people. Not a lot of people, but <laughs> you're older than some and younger than many. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I, I was born in '65, so in 1970 I was five years old, and I was watching the Banana Splits and that kind of stuff, and Saturday mornings. And then uh, uh, 1980, I was you know 15. I graduated in 83, so MTV was just come, starting. And, 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 uh, and then when I started doing stand-up in 85, I'd stopped watching TV as much. I would maybe get home and watch Letterman if I could, or I would watch movies on Showtime or HBO, whatever. Uh, so I kind of fell out of watching a lot of steady TV. But when I did, I, it was all on. It was, I would watch stuff. I'd watch Three's Company, and if, 
it was happy days, I knew it was Tuesday at eight. If it was, uh, if it was welcome back, Connor, I knew it was Thursdays at eight. I knew what time it was. You know, you, TV's your reference point, which exactly. is very, very the same with me. Sunday nights, it's going to be The Simpsons. Thursday is Seinfeld. The same thing. They're just yeah. part of your schedule and the way you think of the week. Yeah, and then it, it would, it would. I remember when I was a kid, if they stopped showing Get Smart at six o'clock every night, I would get upset. No, no, you know, or they would move some sort of like they move something uh, between Mister Rogers' Neighborhood and Electric Company. I would get. It was very, it was very cemented, but. Uh, but I just watched a lot of weirder TV, and there was a series on called Quark. And it's I people use it as a quick throwaway reference as some sort of weird show from the seventies, right? But it kind of came in at the end of the of the Star Wars wave when it, there, there was all sorts of weird hard science fiction on TV, and uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica and all that kind of stuff was happening. Just total ripoffs. And Quark was a show with Richard Benjamin uh, as the captain of this garbage ship. And uh, a, literally a garbage, a garbage ship and just a garbage truck in space. And he had this cast. It was Tim Thomerson, who was a comedian. Do you remember Tim Thomerson? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he, he did a lot of uh, he did this. He did this uh, uh, bit about stagecoach, a whole Sam Peckinpah bit on stage. And okay. he was very, very, very 70s, completely feathered and coked out looking guy with giant pizza slice lapels. <laughs> and, uh, and then the Lander sisters were in it. And they played these twins. And uh, oh, Tim Thomerson was a half man, half woman, I think. Okay. There was another guy who was a plant man, and they, he would always end up getting, like, running out of water or left in a sun too much. And then there was a, a robot called Andy. And I used to crack my friends up by doing my Andy the Robot impression. Can I do it before I... Please, and then I'll be able this? to judge it afterwards okay. when I know. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> and Fred Travelina, I ain't. Here we go. Uh, Commander, this is no place for a coward. Please take me home. Killed. Sounds great. Killed. I don't know the character at all, but I can already know it's it's spot. All I remember. So, uh, but anyway, uh, and as we just found out, Quark was directed, uh, uh, written by Buck Henry. Buck Henry, who of course gets smart as well. Yeah, and uh, the Graduate. Right, the gra- the famous the Graduate. Yeah. with uh, with good old Dustin Hoffman, and he was also uh, in the uh, uh, the Absent Minded Waiter with Steve Martin and Terry Garr, which is one of the funniest short films you'll Ooh, ever watch. I'll have to check that. We out. should watch that as sort of like a, a Why don't preview. We, we could the- do a we could do a bonus uh, during later. We can watch that if it's on YouTube. Sure, it should be. That, that's and awesome. if it's not on YouTube, please watch The Absent-Minded Waiter with Steve Martin and Buck Henry and Terry Garr. It's the funniest thing ever. And uh, it's that's piqued my interest. Now, this show, the Quark, I've heard of it. I, and when you said Quark, I knew it was obviously space. I guess that because Quark is a science term. Quark was a new term back then. That's why it was so Really? Hit. Yeah. Wow. They just discovered quarks when I was a boy. Uh, so it's like <laughs> a real buzzword. And... Uh, but I, you said is I feel like the, I've heard throwaway jokes about Quark, like probably on The Simpsons or something. Yeah, and this show only lasted or was only on for eight episodes in the late seventies. Yeah, exactly. But it's still short lived and kind of kind of a mercy killing, I would think. Right. I mean, where do you go? Where do you go from there? And uh, when have you watched this show since uh the 70s you know i think when youtube started happening uh i maybe watched the opening credits of it when i was going oh hey what about the show hey what about the show and you would watch the opening credits and go oh yeah so it did happen right 
So just to kind of remember it and sometimes uh it brings back a bunch of memories but sometimes you go oh right yeah that's what i've noticed on this podcast is sometimes you build some like you build up this show in your head because it's just been there since you're like you know 10 15 whatever it's just burrowed itself into your brain and they're like oh all right you know but sometimes <laughs> but sometimes those certain nuggets they just uh they make you feel good it hits that pleasure center in your brain yeah well i remember like one thing i did when youtube started was i i watched a few episodes of chico and the man and welcome back cotter because mm-hmm. i was those were shows that i just everybody watched them when i was a little kid we'd talk about them at school and uh, uh and then i would watch chico and the man and it was unwatchable it's like oh i i don't remember this being this bad just badly lit badly yeah. written yeah. horrible obvious jokes we i watched an episode for this uh show uh of swat yeah and with robert urich there are just so many dead moments of just like dead air they just be panning a room and you just see somebody walk across the room for like 10 seconds and then the scene would start as like that Come was on. that Come was on. the seventies. Like yeah. everything was everything was B roll. Yeah, exactly. It was just like <laughs> let's pad this out. Let's just let this let this roll. Can this B roll have some action in it? How about Robert Urich? Ooh, how about he something catches his eye on the way to his desk? <laughs> but it's very subtle, so you as a watcher don't a viewer don't even really realize. Um, so I've never seen this show. What can I expect? Or what if uh, uh, when we're watching? We found this on YouTube. If people at home want to, watch. yeah, we came, we came close. We we thought about watching a gong show right uh which would be fun we talked about maybe a love boat or a threes company right uh but comedy on comedy is kind of strange can i say this this was supposed to be a comedy i'll say this about threes company i didn't realize i watched it all the time as a kid because it was on probably uh nick at night or something but i watched repeats i think before school and middle school all the time i didn't understand that he was supposed to be pretending to be gay I didn't. That totally washed over me, and I did not understand that. And did it still work? Yeah, I just thought like they were like weird. <laughs> I don't know. Did, now, did you watch Bosom Buddies? I did not because I don't think that was much in reruns. I don't think that that was a big uh, rerun when I was a kid. Okay, I but remember- I know Peter Scolari and and uh, Tom Thomas Hanks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what, what's Tom Hanks been doing lately? Blah, I, blah, 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 blah. I know that Peter Sklari was in the TV version of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> uh, of course he was. <laughs> it's like jury duty. Oh, God, I've got to be in a Honey, I Shrunk the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, Bosom Buddies was kind of hard to watch even as a kid. Like, is this really happening? This is a really Well, they just strange... did uh, on Adult Swim, Adam Scott's uh, greatest event in television history, and they recreated the opening from Bosom Buddies, and it was very funny oh. and they they had i don't want to ruin it but they had some nice cameos in it oh did they uh, get the rights from that billy joel song they did they did a knockoff of the knockoff of my life they in fact um, I'll, this is ruining a joke so spoiler beware but uh they have billy joel play the he comes oh. on and he and he's on the on the episode it's great Wow. Does he play Wendy Jo Sperber? He, uh, <laughs> wait, what's the Wendy Jo Sperber? She was, uh, she was the fat friend of, of Tom Hanks. Oh. She was all, awfully super cool, and now she's dead. Oh, that's a, that's yeah, a shame. Sad. Big bummer. R.I.P. Um, so, Quark, what should I expect? Is there anything that I should be looking out for or things that you're excited to see from that you haven't watched us in you know, almost, I don't know, how many, 30? Jesus, it was 78, years? was it? I don't even know what the date was on it, but I would have been... No older than 15. So yeah. 13 years old. 
Uh, it's probably got horrible special effects. I don't know who wrote it. It's going to be really hacky. I'm probably expecting some, uh, I'm expecting a reference or two to current events from the seventies that I barely remember, you know, like Gerald Ford analogies or right. Right. Or Carter administration jokes, which always still hold up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of stuff about, uh, you know, the, the head of the UN back then. Um, so we're going to watch the first episode of Quark. Um, one of one of eight, one eighth of the entire run of Quark. Yeah, we're going to watch about shit. I wish I could do math better. Twelve percent. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah. Eight into a hundred. Guys, <laughs> don't judge us. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get into comedy for the math. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to watch whatever percentage yeah. of the series. Yeah. Uh, it, well, yeah. One eighth. I'm going to. Uh, so okay, yeah, so one eighth is it's twenty five percent is a quarter. Right. And then half of twenty five percent. So twelve percent. Twelve point five percent. I was close. Yeah, very yeah. nice. You, you, you assholes yeah, judging you, me at home. Within the, the, the margin of error. Yeah, god damn it. Okay, so uh let's check out twelve point five percent of Quark. How's it going, Andy? Everything is fine, thank you. Thank you? You're welcome. Yes, I see. And how do you feel? I feel wonder. I feel wonder. I feel wonder. Full. You're getting there. What is it? Look at this. We've got a spectrum rating that's gone right off the graph. Something's coming this way. Something big. And it's not solid. It's emitting a totally varied wave cycle. A totally varied wave cycle. Do you understand what that means? What does it mean? I wish I knew. (laughs) What would happen if it hit us? At best, the ship would be anatomized, and we'd all be turned into instant space jelly. Of course, that's looking on the bright side. (laughs) Isn't there a chance you could be mistaken? Yes. Uh, No. All right. We just got quarked. <laughs> we certainly did. We got quarked pretty hard. That right one there. was totally quarked. Um, I, what is your initial impression of the of the show after we just watched it? Uh, it was certainly very, uh, very television in the 70s bad. It was, yeah. It was... Uh, I, first of all, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it I was accept your apology. To, yeah, it was like I thought it was the Lander sisters, but it wasn't the Lander sisters. It was those two twins. Uh, and apparently every take that, that was in, every scene that they were in was the, apparently the best take they could get out of them. Yeah, it's amazing, like, seeing that. I don't know how television worked in the 70s, but if somebody... <laughs> if you saw that pilot, like, there's no way. That that show was like... I don't know how that just was a show, even for eight episodes. Well, I think it was probably, maybe it was Buck Henry muscling something onto the air. Right. And then all of a sudden it got, I don't know if maybe it got rewritten with notes or or some sort of production limitations or I don't know what happened. It was just really bad. It was a lot of that bad science fiction exposition stuff. and Yeah, it just, it, and the thing is like, a show like Get Smart worked and was really funny. Yeah, I guess completely. because... 
that genre, the spy James Bond genre, has so many specific things to play with. But this was supposed to be sending up, I guess, Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, wait, what year was this? This was... Um, let me open my files. Uh, April 78th. So that was after... Star, Star Wars. Wars, yeah. So it was, um, yeah. I mean, you saw that it was after Star Wars with like the 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 spaceships that had stuff sticking out of them, right? The opening shot was sort of supposed to be reminiscent of it, but it didn't seem like it was sending up space stuff. Like there were s- certain things that are just like what? Like that doesn't make like the character of they're the twins, uh, Betty and Betty, who are one's a clone. One's a clone, and uh, Betty and uh, Adam Quirk, who is the main character, the captain of the garbage ship, uh, they might have some chemistry, but he doesn't know which one is the clone and which one's real, which is, you know, I guess a fun idea. And then, But then there's Gene with a G, G-E-N-E, but he's also Gene, uh, J-E-A-N, and he's what they call a transmute, somebody who is born with... Both male chromosomes and female chromosomes. You but, know, like everyone. But, <laughs> we want to get all techno about it. But it manifests itself in him being like, uh, like, look out. And like, oh, no. Like, it's just basically like, quote, unquote, gay voice. You know, like, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. It was, well, you know what? That, that guy, Tim Thomerson, and he's done a lot of other stuff. But he uh, he was sort of all over stand up back in the seventies, and you kind of not that you couldn't want to, not that you would want to get away from him, but you, he, you couldn't get away from him. Right. He was always doing stuff, and I guess they he would always do like the the like a flaming kind of a character in a stand up, and right. it was always way over the top. And I guess they were just trying. They must have seen him at the improv one night and had a couple of whiskey and cokes. We just have that guy just pretending to be the thing. Yeah, it was. It reminded me of the a bad version of in um, Airplane. The guy who's like, uh, the fog is getting thicker and Leon is getting larger. Like that sort of like kooky. Who I don't know if it was on a podcast that I was just I was talking to Matt Meyer about this, but I was like, what happened to that guy? He was so funny in that movie. He died of AIDS. Dead. Died of AIDS. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to I that dude. I would have Paris to Dakar rally accident. Uh, um, but it just felt like the bad... Ver- now, here's my question. You're saying... T- what's his name? Tim Tomlinson? Who Tim Thomerson. Thomerson, who I'm looking up right now. He was a big guy in the 70s, and that's uh, in the comedy world. And that's sort of how comedians would sort of be bumped from, like, big in the comedy clubs, and then they'd be, like, the the... Like a kooky character on TV, basically. They yeah, cherry like, picked. Like somebody, like Richard Klein. I don't know the guy that played Larry on Three's Company. I don't know. Right. I don't know where he came from, but you know, was he just an actor? Maybe he was a stand-up back in the back in like seventy-seven, seventy-eight. That's when like a lot of modern stand-up was was starting to happen. You right. Know? It was. You had all those. All those people that wound up on TV shows that were kind of like comedians. You'd see them on Make Me Laugh all the time. You know, like Bruce Baum and Johnny Dark and Gallagher even. Right. But but they would – very few of them kind of made that leap into bad television like Tim Thomerson Yeah, he really – so I'm looking at his IMDb right now. I'm just going to list off – Has done a lot of stuff. He has 200 credits on IMDb for acting. He's certainly not bad at what he does. No. And and yeah, also like him doing that – voice and stuff that's 
you know, somebody the, wrote the, that. Somebody the thing wrote that, that was shocking to me, Craig, was the reaction of the old man going, ah, stay away from me. I don't like transmutes. Like but was, he also, didn't he also hit on the female version? Because um, at one point, Gene is going into, what's that called? Uh, hypersleep. Hypersleep. And he's like, do you want me to snuggle in next to you or something like that to the female version? And then the male version was like, "Nah, get out of here." Oh, he said, "Do you want to? You want me to tuck you in?" I think he was. Oh, being he was making of... fun. I yeah. just assumed he wanted to have sex with him, but I was wrong. You're right. He probably just jerk off on him while he's asleep in the <laughs> yeah. cyber chamber. So Tim Thomerson was in an episode of Manix, an episode of Laverne and, Shirley, Laverne and Shirley. He was in Car Wash. He was in Hawaii, an episode of Hawaii. Every show, Hawaii Five O, uh, and Hutch. Uh, Fantasy Island, Mork and Mindy. I mean, he was a journeyman. Yeah, you as... could not, you couldn't swing a dead cat without Tim Thomerson uh, being cast as the cat. And he was Reggie Cavanaugh, on the two of us. Yeah, and he worked a lot. He's but but I'm still working. And if you but if you watch his like really early his early stand up, it it could not be more feathered. His hair is just completely farred out and the like I said, the medallions, it, it's like a he was like a the Poochie. Right. <laughs> he looked like a he looked like he was made up by somebody in the seventies. Um so the the basically the concept of the show is that this is a garbage ship going. Let's around. keep talking about Tim Thomerson. <laughs> but back to Tim. <laughs> um the concept is that they're just a garbage ship. It opens on this really dramatic thing of like, we have to, you know, do this perfectly, maneuver, put it on a manual so I can do it. And it's him. To show you that he's a hotshot space pilot that knows what he's doing. Right. But it's just picking up a garbage bag in space. And the reveal is the ship turns around and you see that it's a, a some sort of, you know, janitor ship. Uh, it says uh, like United States sanitation. Or yeah. I guess it didn't say United States because the America had already disintegrated by then. He, yeah, he waxed poetic about the fact that uh, America apparently had been ruled by a giant mouse. Get it? Mickey, anyone? Yeah. Uh, uh, but you can't say Mickey on TV, especially in the 70s. You know, I also may have mentioned this on the podcast, but Disney uh, is so copyright crazy that a family put... Um, a Mickey image of Mickey Mouse on their dead child's gravestone, and D- Disney made them change it. <laughs> Isn't of, it? of course, Isn't it? I mean you can't. I mean, what do? You, how are you going to sell gravestones? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if uh, uh, maybe they should just put Mickey heads on all the gravestones. I know exactly. Maybe Disney should just start selling their own line. I know there's people that would go. Oh my god, I love Disney. Oh, I I, that would actually legitimately sell. Yeah, people would buy it. We've already sold 15. Uh, and please, whoever's out there selling them on our behalf, send us a check or yeah. to our P.O. box. You send us half of what you were going to send us. We don't care. We don't give a shit. Yeah, you're going to make billions. We're the minds behind this. Um, <laughs> so, and I have to say, the theme song, uh, so after the intro, they bust into the the, the reveal of this is a uh, sanitation ship. They bust and in, there's a laugh track. And there's a laugh track, which... Really throws you off because it's not. It's obviously not shot on a live studio audience. Like it sort of like Get Smart also wasn't right. Yeah, it or was, the Flintstones. Exactly. The yeah, the Flintstones. Wait, that wasn't on a live studio audience. I can't remember the Flintstones. yeah animated uh, frame by frame before a live studio audience. Um, but it just feels so bizarre. It just feels so weird, especially on lines where it's like a half joke. Or it's just not funny. Yeah. And they show, they have the laughs and it just makes you sort of like, Ugh. Yeah, well, it's it's obviously there. It was – I don't know if it could have been a deliberate joke. 
but it was obviously put there to underline stuff that obviously didn't work. Yeah, it was so so bizarre. You know, it was the thing that's weird is you mentioned this earlier that well, Buck Henry, of course, and Mel Brooks wrote Get Smart. Yes, and I devoured Get Smart. It was a brilliant show. But there was one episode I remember. I remember this vividly. Uh, I guess it had been broadcast without a laugh track, or there was no laugh track on this episode that I watched. And it, out of all of them, it was just like a weird mistake. But it was the episode where this girl, this this uh, femme fatale, was gonna. She had poison lipstick, and she was gonna po- put this lipstick on a poison Maxwell Smart. And she gets him in for the kiss, and she doesn't understand why he doesn't die. And he steps back and he peels off his lips and he goes, plastic lips. <laughs> no laugh track. Just him holding these lips for way too Ugh. long. And it was, uh, it was just then I realized as a kid the power of the laugh track. Like they used the laugh track to time out beats. Oh, totally, yeah. And editing and everything. And it was just – it did not work so hard without a laugh track. Even Get Smart didn't work with Well, there are all those videos of like um – you know, uh, Big Bang Theory without a laugh track and all those shows on YouTube, people have put up like they, they edit out the laugh track and they're so fun. I mean, it is cause they're, that's how they edit the show. That's, they're waiting for the laughs. Yeah. They, hold for applause and okay. Then you move over here and then we block to the kitchen. Yeah. But now this was, but if a joke falls flat, then there's no laugh and there's no reason for them to move. Then you need better jokes, and I don't. I would expect more out of Buck Henry. I'm, yeah, I, I, I have to say, yeah, this was written. The writing credit on this particular episode was just straight up Buck Henry, written and, and created. And did he say directed, directed as well? Yeah. Um, no, maybe not directed. Maybe not directed, but uh, created and written by. I mean, not to say that. Listen, everybody does bad shit. Like mm-hmm. that's just part of the thing. But this was like a steaming pile of bad shit. Yeah. Seven more episodes, and I watched them all when I was a kid. Now, when you watched it as a child, were you you liked it? You did the Andy impersonation, which was pretty good, I'd say. You're Andy. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I worked on it for <laughs> for eight episodes. Jesus, what twenty eight years? Twenty five <laughs> years? Oh my god! Oh when my you were god. a child, did you? Uh, just I, straight up enjoy it, or I mean, I mean, because when you're a kid, you don't, you, you can't. I mean, you're not as discerning of a, uh, you know, an audience member. Well, I would think that, I think that when I saw commercials for it, I got excited because it was right. outer space, and uh, when I saw it, I was probably, I, th- I was probably disappointed that it wasn't as cool as I thought it would be, and it just at that point I recognized sets from other shows right you know like if you would see a control panel there oh i saw that control panel in far out space nuts or something you know right it would i became this weird train spotter for the bad television props you in fact pointed out something very specific in this episode a line which was uh the plot of the episode is uh some space council uh who is run by the father of uh uh, uh, father of Mindy on Mork and Mindy, Conrad Janis. Conrad Janis, famous bald guy. And he answers to a character called the Head, who's just on a video screen, and he has a gigantic head, which also just made me think of the TV show The Head from uh, MTV. Um, oh yeah, in the early nineties. Uh, what was that? Liquid Television. Yeah, which was really weird, and this looked just like that. that oh man, I wonder. I wonder if it's a reference, but. Um, they find that there's some, what, intergalactic dust or something? There's some sort of weird... There's a plasma 
thing, some kind of entity made out of some sort of matter, and it's it seeks out life and absorbs it or something. Something. It's a major threat to the galaxy, and they're telling. Uh, and they're deciding, well, is any ship near there? And they realize that Adam Quark, who's the garbage guy, is out there. And they say, well, we should tell him to explode his ship and save the universe. And they say the line, something to the effect uh, the, of... Yeah, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Which... Which turned up... In, uh, uh, in that phrasing, turned up in The Wrath of Khan when Spock died. Spoiler alert. Oh, boy. But he's okay. And then, and then he's played by French Stewart. <laughs> uh, but there's a it's it's like hey you know the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few so we're speculating that that was created here and that star trek fucking ripped that off from totally quark. ripped it off from quark and, and, and a lot and of buck things. henry should be expecting a check yeah yeah it doesn't say graduate on it <laughs> exactly um but were you were you because uh, Star Wars came out what seventy seven seventy seven so you were what twelve when that I was came ground out? zero for Star were Wars you, I mean was that that must have been just nut sauce just I like saw craziness it. my parents didn't want to let me see it for the longest time because they knew that I would I was already a fan without seeing it I knew all the characters they just knew that when I saw it that there was going to be no stopping me so right. they kind of helped me <laughs> they made me not see it for a couple of months but then I went to see it and I saw it 32 times in the theater. I would wow. go down to the theater in my hometown and just sit there and watch every showing all through the summer. Holy shit. It was crazy. I love I knew every line. People got annoyed. That's <laughs> knowing every line. You sounded super annoyed. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was uh it was such a I mean it was a a, a watermark. It was our Beatles. Yeah, you know? I mean that was uh I was talking to a friend who was saying when Empire Strikes Back hap- happened, and the uh, spoiler alert here, but uh, when Darth Vader ends up being uh, Luke Skywalker's father, that the kids were just flipping people out. went nuts, just crazy, right? People went nuts because I think of it. I'm younger, and I that even probably before I even saw Star Wars, Luke, I am your father is just a cultural benchmark. Everybody knows that line. Everybody knows it. So, but being there. And, like, in the Ground Zero age, that must have just been... Yeah, like, oh, you're kidding. Oh, it all makes sense. And then you just want the audience to stop murmuring so you can hear them keep talking. Yeah, I don't know if I had... If I had a movie that, like, hit the perfect age that... I mean, Back to the Future is my... Those are my films. (laughs) Those are my... (laughs) That's my oeuvre. But there was nothing when... I guess, you know, Terminator 2 is probably the closest. I saw that at, like, age... Uh, I saw that at, like, six or something like that. And that just blew me away. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. The Star, the Star Wars was really good. I was actually also really into Smokey and the Bandit the same year. That was the... Because I was from Pennsylvania, small town Pennsylvania. Right. And Smokey and the Bandit was huge. And I liked cars. And I always thought Burt Reynolds was cool. Yeah, cool dude. Uh, so... Smoking the Bandit and Star Wars for me, it was like, hey, if I can stop thinking about Star Wars for five minutes and, you know, listen to Jerry Reed songs, yeah, CB radio jokes, but yeah, like, uh, I got to be perfectly honest, they could have stopped at Star Wars when they got to Empire Strikes Back. I liked it, but it was, I mean, it was just watching spaceships at that point, right? Like the story didn't really. I, I'll go on record as saying I thought that Empire Strikes Back was not good. Whoa. Because I thought it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a movie. It was, uh, it was interstitial. It was connecting tissue between, between two movies, one of which could have stopped at the end. Right. Self-contained, perfectly self-contained. 
Now, as you're um, an original OG fan from the early 70s of Star Wars and obviously Quark, the, of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I love <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, too, the original. But now that, like, Star, I mean, Star Wars has had multiple resurgences. Are you when things happen like the the newer through the whatever New Hope and uh, New Hope was the original? Um, what was the Phantom Menace? Phantom Menace. I and- saw Phantom Menace. I didn't see the other two. I saw the thing where they hauled Anakin out of the river of lava with his arms and legs off, and then they made him into Steve Austin from the earlier discussion right. we had. Now, are you going to be try to get back into it, or are you just like no. done? You're just done. No, I enjoy it. But. I mean, it's like I watch I watch Star Wars now, and my wife had never seen Star Wars, which was weird to me. That's great. Yeah, that's and, pretty surprising. And a couple of years ago, we finally sat down and watched it together, and that was exciting for me. Uh, to, show, to show somebody the original. Yeah, and she was like, wow, that was really good. I'm like, yeah, it was fucking Star Wars. Uh, she also had never seen Blazing Saddles. It was one of the first movies that we watched together, and we got done watching it. She was like, that was pretty corny. I'm like, yeah. Do you know I recently I recently read this book about Richard Pryor called Furious Cool, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he wrote with uh, Mel Brooks. He was in the writers' room for that, but he was you know he was supposed to be He's supposed to be Bart. Yeah, and uh, wow, how crazily different it would have been with Richard Pryor. Oh yeah, well the, nobody wanted anything to do with that. It was they thought it was bad enough that he co-wrote it. Yeah, well, and I and I, I love. Uh, Cleavon Little was fantastic. They, but they they also took on the original prints of the film, his name wasn't in the credits. Oh really? They I think Mel Brooks I don't know, this is from the book, so I don't know what the actual happenings were, but that he, I guess Mel Brooks sort of wanted to push that away or something. Wow, that's but, weird. I didn't um, know that. which is very strange. Or maybe it was just an oversight, but you sort of don't forget an oversight. The, yeah, yeah. It's very shy. Um <laughs> I'm Super into Shia right now, by the way. He's no long, he's not famous anymore. That's right. Um, I'll have to say there were a handful of jokes in this Quark episode that I liked. The food the, the food joke was funny. Where oh, they, yeah. They all sit around. They're all cheating to camera, sitting at a bar in a little... Yeah, very... Loop. And it's... Uh, yeah, very cheating to camera, very like uh, Star Wars cantina-style setup. And uh, they make a big, long setup about... Uh, Oh, what what are we having today? And they go down this course of this delicious meal that they're about to enjoy. And then at the very end, a tube comes down, and they'd all put it over in the mouths, and, like, one just huge chunk goes down right into their <laughs> mouth. And it just visually was really funny. Was- yeah, they all kind of react like something's just been blown into their mouth at high pressure. Similar, I'd say, Back to the Future, my film, my oeuvre, they, <laughs> they do that. Back to the Future 2, they have the Pizza Hut, the little Pizza Hut. I think it's half pepperoni, half uh, peppers, maybe, if I'm wrong. Fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> but they just put, like, this teeny disc pizza in the oven and then, like, goes, like, put it earlier for, like, three <laughs> seconds and it's a giant pizza. Just those sorts of jokes are funny. There's just something funny about small food stuffs. <laughs> also, Willy Wonka, same thing. The, uh, the, uh... The one, the gum that um, Violet that yeah that turns you into a giant blueberry. Yeah, that's a great. Hey, we're gonna take your these orange midgets are gonna take your daughter down to the juicing room and juice your daughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but we know what lawyers juice, Wonka. We know what juicing really means. There was also speaking of sexual innuendo, which I just wedged in there. Uh, <laughs> there was a pretty, there was a very sexual line that they got. So, so the. In the story, um, 
Buck uh, Buck Rogers. Uh, uh, Adam Buck Quark. Henry. <laughs> Buck Henry. <laughs> in the 25th century. And Buck Henry <laughs> writes it in that Adam Quark and uh, the one-eyed scientist uh, sort of are realizing that this, this weird plasma is going to engulf them. And... Uh, and Andy, we also find out, is sort of in love with this. Andy, the robot, has fallen in love with a machine in the in the ship that looks like a lady robot, but it's actually the garbage release valve. Right. So he keeps on showing his affection for it, and, and early in the episode, he almost opens up the garbage, and, and Adam's uh, worried. But then later in the episode, he's basically just straight up like hugging and kissing and humping. <laughs> I want you. I want you. I need you. That was pretty funny. That was really funny. <laughs> and then... They realize that because he's sort of like humping on the the disposal thing, that the all the trash goes out, saves the day. Um, but the the scientist guy said, if Andy hadn't dumped that load, <laughs> he didn't say it like that, but he was basically having sex with this kind yeah. of character. I just thought, you know, if he hadn't totally blown his wad. I just thought, Buck Henry, you know what? Good for you. For more, like, more like butt fuck Henry. Or, right? or fuck Henry. Or fucking Buck Henry. Fucking <laughs> butt it, fucking Henry. It could be any of those things. Yeah. Now you, so you are, again, so well versed in these, uh, like you know all the the actors from this show. and uh, I thought I did. I was, I was wrong about the Landers. But you know what? That happens. Yeah. And, and, and uh, in retrospect, of course, the Landers weren't twins. They were just sisters. Now, what are they, what are they from? Not to be a moron who doesn't know stuff. Uh, they did a lot of love boats. Okay. And I think they were in BJ and the Bear. Nice. Audrey and Judy Landers. Okay. And They're just uh, names at this point. Now, you, you obviously knew a, a lot about Tim Thomerson, and he sort of followed this, um, the comedian uh, trajectory of the 70s. And this, and you started doing comedy. What year? Eighty five. Eighty five. So just a mere. And I was twenty. So a yeah. couple of years after this, like six or seven years after this. But were you aware of that trajectory when you started, or were you just, like, were you a super fan enough of of uh, TV that you saw yourself? trying to hit that track or you were just like oh did it you know well you know what i never thought about doing comedy until i did comedy Mm -hmm. so uh uh, but i was always a huge fan of stand-up and i knew i would watch any kind of specials that would come on i mean because my my dad would let me stay up and watch carson monologue so i would just i was any comedy i would devour and i just knew tim thomerson from all the weird shows like he freddie prince hosted a show like a stand-up special I think that's probably one you could Google and get a good sense of him doing like a really long set, uh, Tim Thomerson. But uh, Freddie Prinze, of course, from Chico and the Man, sure. you know, didn't make it out of the 70s. No. But he, uh, 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 I forget where I was going with this. Um, I, oh, you know, I never, I, I never really thought that there was a difference between comedians and show business at that point. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, he's a comedian who also works as an actor and stuff. I figured everybody did everything. Right. And some people just like, oh, I'll be a singer. I'll be a comedian. Right. Or Ex- maybe not. I don't know. Who, I don't know what I thought back then. Yeah, I guess that's all. But hard. I just, I, I mean, I knew him and I just knew a lot of weird comics because of shows like Make Me Laugh and I would watch Merv and Mike Douglas and Dinah Shore. 
So I knew more comics, I guess, than most. Yeah, Make Me Laugh, They, I think they did a remake of that in the 90s. Is that the show where they just have somebody sit on stage and a comedian has to go up yeah. to them and make them laugh? Yeah, and it was hosted by Bobby Van. Uh, uh, as National Lampoon describes him, a versatile but dead TV entertainer. <laughs> uh, and Bobby Van, it, it was... It, the original had like Gallagher and Johnny Dark and Bruce Babyman Bomb and uh, Vic Dunlop and all these weird guys. Maybe even Tim Thomerson. But uh, yeah, they remade it in the '90s with Mark with uh, Mark Cohen as the host. Right, I remember and, uh, watching that. I did an episode of it. Whoa! Ask me how I did. How'd you do? Nobody laughed. <laughs> I remember watching that show. Well, it's funny because. I that was in the I wouldn't say the early years of comedy maybe it was the early years of Comedy Central where they were still like yeah kind of it was still sort of sort of figuring out what the, the Han network anymore the voice was um but also that when we worked together and I, I when I overheard you talking about Beat the Geeks and I was like oh did you work on that show and you're like yeah I hosted that <laughs> I was like oh yeah I totally watched that so I've seen I listen I saw you on Make Me Laugh and I and I definitely saw you on Beat the Geeks uh yeah I was uh I was the I went on a Jump the Shark website one night and uh <laughs> and I saw that I was the Jump the Shark moment for Beat the Geeks why they brought in that new host wait who is the original who's the OG? Jake Van Stratton I don't know I don't know. Very funny guy. He do, do uh, he does a talk show at uh, Acme Theater out here. Okay, How, that's that's not even the, uh, something doesn't jump the shark if it gets a new host. That's ex- well, some people are like, uh, well, they tried to improve something by making it, you know, by bringing in Poochie or whatever. Right? They thought they needed to change something, and and for a lot of people, that's a shark jumping moment when something just stops. When when the state of grace is removed and it becomes something new or weird, right? You know, it's or also called the Ted McGinley effect. But who's the Ted? Who's he was the guy that would always come in after a character would leave a show because of success. He came into uh, Happy Days, okay, uh, and uh, he was he after on Married with Children. He was Marcy's new husband. Remember when? Marcy oh yeah, of course. But when, that's still. Well, I don't know. I guess I just watched so much TV that. I don't know if it was still good after that because I just watched it for years after. It just turned into a weird parody of itself. I thought the first uh, the first year of uh, Married with Children was brilliant. Yeah, just, I, it's like oh my god, of course this show. Yeah, why hasn't why isn't every show like the show? And then second season, it was already just a cartoon. Yeah, it got so bizarre, so so bizarre. I watched a clip for this podcast uh, where. There was an episode like season eight, and he was in hell. He like visited. I remember that one. It's just like, all right, yeah, I guess okay, uh, fine. But uh, they got eight seasons. Quirk only got eight episodes. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't quite. They, I mean, and it wasn't like a British eight episode run. No, it wasn't that sort <laughs> of classy. Let's just hit it and get out. It's just sort of, uh, yeah, it's. But obviously it has some successful thing that it is a corner – people do reference it and it's still stuck in your brain. Yeah. it's Well, the other thing too is like I wonder – because that was the first episode, which is probably just the pilot that was cut down. So the pilot was probably, what, an hour maybe? And it probably got noted to death. And they – I'm assuming that they put it on the air and said – this is just me being a cynical TV guy – but going, let's just put the let's just edit the pilot into something that we can broadcast, and then once the episodes get going, then we can do this with this character. We'll have more money for this. Right. We can 
you know, these episodes are a little more well-written. You didn't have a million producers on it. But then again, maybe it was just shitty. Well, here's the other thing, though, is that the premise of the show isn't bad. It's not a bad, like... It's, it, a, it's a space show about a small crew of a spaceship. And uh, so you have that going on, like Voyager. Yeah. But uh, they're garbage men. They're garbage men. Here's the question right off the top. Why don't you just uh, spit the garbage into outer space because it goes on forever? Right. <laughs> that's the big issue. That's the, I think that's the core joke that Buck Henry is probably going, people are going to go, why do they need a garbage man in space? Because <laughs> really, why, that's where it stops. But the way the episode ends is because um, Andy had sex with another robot-looking thing, the trash goes out, they save the universe, and then... The head and uh, Mindy's father, the council. Uh, <laughs> the head and Mindy's father. The head and Mindy's father say that your new, your new objective is to go scour the space, scour outer space, and but which is very vague. Yeah, just said scour outer space, which I guess means go on adventures. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, pick up some garbage in the small cloud of Magellan. Yes, exactly. No, yeah, oh, we can't get away from being garbage men. They also had a they had a scene that was uh, where with all the uh, aliens at the council. The, yes, at the beginning. Very, very cantina. Flavor. Very cantina, and uh, it was cantina in. Um, people are going to hate me if they're Star Wars fans. Was that in the first uh, that was Star Wars? It, yes. People, that must be used as a joke every other day. Like that's such a. Con- a cantina like, scene, yeah, like a go-to thing because it's just a great. Scene. It goes, it goes in and out of hack. Yeah, it's like it becomes the, it becomes the. Oh God, here's the scene with all the aliens that look different, and then sometimes you see it and it's perfect. Yeah, sometimes it just works. You know, I mean, the first Men in Black was just one big cantina scene that worked. That worked. Men in Black the, three, not so much. No. Uh, no cantina so. and scene. Oh boy, <laughs> get out of uh, here. I will say this about the scene we were talking about earlier where they were eating, which was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Big water food shoved in their mouths, but uh, uh, they were all cheated to camera very badly. Yes, and then at the end of the scene, they cut to an angle that showed that it was that they were against the wall of a ship. Right? Do you remember so that it so so you just sort of saw it from the side that they that there was a uh, an end to that space that they weren't sitting at some weird free right right table. right yes and it was a small thing but I'm glad that they fixed that. That they made, made, driven me nuts. That, you mean that they closed the wall? They closed the wall. Whereas it and most, let you see the let you see the TV that Archie Bunker is watching. Right, exactly. Uh, you never see that wall. Yes, which is uh, a nice little thing for. Well, if you're in, if it's not a studio audience, why not show the space, man? You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess that would be really interesting if a sitcom. Like any sitcom set, you know, uh, you know, uh, Married with Children or Seinfeld or whatever, where if they just did one episode where they flipped the apartment and you only saw it from the other angle. That would be great. That would be great. That would be awesome. That would be so cool. How has nobody ever done that? Oh. If there's just one episode wow. and you see the back of the couch, you see the other wall, you see the TV. You see the... Uh, uh you see the glass doors that the Bradys are looking through when they're when they're like peeling vegetables at that counter. Right. Yeah. There's just so much room for. Wow. That'd be awesome. That'd be. Fantastic. I guess the real reason is because it costs money to build a set. <laughs> but that'd be such a good gag. Yeah. Well, it's have they? Yeah, they've done it in The Simpsons. Well, they could just draw it. Yeah, in The Simpsons, they definitely have done it. Well, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember I used to want to be an architect, and I would. 
uh, I would watch game shows. Like I did this with Match Game and Hollywood Squares is I would draw floor plans as I imagined I, I, what you wouldn't be able to see Whoa. on either side. Like the Match Game, they would flip that the desk around or the, right. the the panelists or the contestants, they would be on those rotating things. And so when they would go back there, what did that look like behind the stage? Whoa. And for me, it was all, you know, shag carpet on the walls and bumper pool tables. Cocaine and sp- everywhere. Yeah, spiral staircases and koi ponds and shit. But, uh, <laughs> but it was so fun. I think it was because when I was a little kid, I mean, like four years old or something, I, I remember watching the Dick Cavett show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Somebody was doing something and had a microphone and then handed the microphone to somebody. This arm came in from stage Whoa. left and took the microphone. I was like, what is going on out of frame? And for the rest of my life, it was always, what is going on? That's out of frame? awesome. What's That's a great way to get peer behind the curtain it's so weird though that you, you that's such a natural th- i mean obviously that's something that the person who did it everybody involved would never think twice about but yeah it, but it totally screwed it, it turned some switches on in my head it it turned you on it totally did it, it what's it um turn up turn on drop out drop T- off tune in tune turn in. on drop out yeah, I'm from this. I'm a child from this of the '60s. I know exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah, nah. Keep I on trumping. <laughs> uh, I actually remember actual Beatles on TV. Really, I remember the. I, I remember watching the moon landing. It was super, like even black and white in my memory. It was. I was a little baby. 1969. Yeah, I was a little baby kid. And, and the uh, Beatles. The Beatles what, were still together until the '70s, and I remember them. 1970 uh, is the breakup. Yeah, that some, there were uh, some special. There would be special televised events and the Beatles would be on. So I'd be, oh, wow, Beatles. And then this year is, uh, they're, they're about to be doing the 50th anniversary of the Beatles, uh, yeah, oh my God. which is so crazy and upset, like depressing. The, yeah. the mermaiding Beatles are the, yeah. it's just sort mm-hmm. of, uh, I thought you said the mermaiding Beatles, the mermaiding Beatles. <laughs> uh, well, the, yeah, well, Paul is married to a mermaid. I don't know. He, oh, uh, but she gave up the power of speech for her legs. Right. Exactly. And then I, uh, and then I joke about his old wife with the one leg, but she can only talk half the time. Yeah. That's <laughs> <a good> <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Born to do it, Craig. Dude, that's why you're the <laughs> king. Uh, so yeah, I was, you know, I was disappointed, but it was like any show from the seventies that I rewatch, I'm always a little disappointed when you watch something as a kid, it's always a lot sparklier. You remember the mall being a lot cleaner. Now here's my question for you. Do you think it's better to never revisit as, uh, to just remember it or would you encourage people to watch their quirk or whatever? I would encourage people to watch it because sometimes you watch it and, and, uh, uh, You'll hear or see something that you had totally forgotten yeah. that uh, that was important to you later in life. Yeah. Or you'll see people that you liked that you didn't expect. Like, uh, uh, I never got the fact until you even – until watching it and you said it that his spaceship has a face. Yeah, yeah. The front of the spaceship that picks up the trash looks like a face and, and it opens its mouth. And there was her. a laugh on the mouth opening. Right. Exactly. And then even remembering the laugh track going, oh, there's no laugh, laughter in space. <laughs> in, in space, space no one can hear you laugh. That's Jinx, true. I owe you a Coke. Mm. And that's from the parody movie, Falians. <laughs> <laughs> Falians Resurrection was really bad. Um, 
do you uh we're nearing the end of the podcast um you should watch have you seen the uh, uh the bruce valanche uh paul lynn halloween special no that sounds amazing we should watch that uh you, you should watch that yourself but it was uh paul lynn's halloween special and uh it's the first tv appearance of kiss and it's paul lynn and uh gets talked what? into his maid is uh is the woman who played the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. So Margaret... Wow. I can't remember. But uh, she, Paul Lynn doesn't believe in Halloween. This sounds so amazing. Yeah, Paul Lynn doesn't believe in Halloween. So she's going to take him away to a retreat for the weekend to get away from the kids. And her sister's going to be there. And her sister is the, the woman who played Witchy Poo on H.R. Puff and Stuff. And they both turn into witches and they're going to scare Halloween into Paul Lynn. And it was... And Kiss is there, and it's so bad, and it's he's coked out and on the verge of dying oh of a heart God. attack. Fuck. And uh, uh, I need to see that. And also, it's written by Bruce Valanche. That's that just sounds everything is up my alley in there. Can I do this again? And we'll watch that. Yeah, I would love to. We can also <laughs> just hang out after this and watch that. And I have to say, I did watch an, on Netflix a documentary about Bruce Valanche and uh, get Bruce, get Bruce, and I was like. You know, you could say there's corniness, but in the end, he's he's been around. He's done you it. Can't all. argue with results. He's done it all. It Some was funny glasses. to see him and like Billy Crystal talking about like writing all the Oscars that I remember from my childhood. Like they're talking about all these jokes, and you know, like they're corny. But I was like, I remember all I that remember stuff. That like it, it totally, it totally worked. Yeah, you know, they weren't corny the first time. They were really good jokes. No, yeah, no, there was uh, the first time I think was the crying game, right? Was that the uh, those eyes, those thighs? Wait, no, it's uh, those eyes. Oh yeah, it was those eyes, those thighs. Surprise! It's the crying game. <laughs> it's like you know what? They did it. They got there it. There it is. They did. Whoop! There it is. <laughs> That's the joke. Um, well, you just uh, recommended the Paul Lynn uh, Bruce Valanche Halloween special. Is there any other? Um, TV shows or uh, media that you you dying to let people in on? Uh, uh, you know what? I was uh, I was talking about maybe an episode of uh, the Mitchell and Webb look. Yes, great show. Because um, uh, that's really the only thing that I would want to turn people on to yeah. that and stuff like Dark Side or I'm sorry, Dark Place. Okay, yeah, Dark uh, and is. Peep Show. Peep Show. I've, I'm uh, in middle season eight. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. We started. And that's Mitchell and Webb are the main characters uh, in that. Yeah, and and I I just remember finding Mitchell and Webb by accident on a long flight, and uh, just devouring it. And then I would make a couple of jokes, like I'd say Number Wang on no, Nerd Poker, so funny, and nobody would laugh. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, you guys not know about Mitchell and Webb. So if you get a chance, watch uh, uh, Mitchell and Webb from, from England. Or and I'd state, say, state of the art sketch. And I'd say, as to get into it, YouTube number wang, because that's yeah. a good introduction to it. It's a fantastic game show. It's, it's one of the best game show sketches ever written. And then I'm going to suggest for people on the darker side of things, uh, I don't think I've mentioned on the show yet, but um, it is called The Returned. And it's a French show that is just, I guess, is pretty new and is available on iTunes. And it's about um, a small town in France and dead people start coming back to life. And they're not zombies. They're just returning. And it's the family dealing with it and what's happening. We, we're trying to figure out what this whole what it all means. Wow. And it's, it's pretty great. Those French. 
That was French. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> and also, I just want to prove that I'm cultured, that I know a French show. Uh, 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 CC. Oui, oui. No, wait. No, it's C. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I'm thinking of urine. Oh, right. I do. I am peeing my pants right now, so that's probably why I'm thinking about it. Um, well, thank you so much, Blaine, for joining me and watching Quark. Thank, I, you. thank you for having me. I apologize for watching Quark. Here's... Uh, I, I can confidently say if we didn't do this today, I would live my entire life without having watched this TV show. Yeah, it's not it's not required. Yeah, it ain't it's, required. It's, but. it's definitely an app that you can download for free and then go, <laughs> ah, so I saw that. But I'd, I'd, I'd tell people, I uh, listen to the theme song. Great theme song. It is. It's terrific. I think it's Giorgio Moroder. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Blaine. Any last final words? Uh, no, Craig, but uh, uh, we work together on At Midnight, and I got to say, uh, I think you're hysterical, and it's a pleasure working with you. Thank, thank you, Blaine. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. A big thanks to Mr. Blaine Kapach for stopping by and introducing me to Quark, uh, whose theme song is playing right now underneath my voice. Uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Rohn or specifically follow this podcast at It's That Episode. And, uh, you know, fave it on what's it called? Facebook. Or you could rate it on what's it called? iTunes. Or you could, what's it called? Tell a friend about it. Um, thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, we'll have more shows. We'll have more good times. We'll have more podcasts. And, uh, you know, let me know what you think on the Twitter, if you want to or don't. It's your prerogative, uh, a song by Bobby Brown in the early 90s. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos.